We acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which company has been recorded, the Wadjuk people of the Noongar Nation. We respect their continuing culture and the past and present contributions they have made to this region. Sovereignty was never ceded. You're listening to Company, the podcast connecting Australian artists, where we talk all things professional, personal and spiritual. Joining you as always are your hosts Georgia Kennedy and Tiana Catalano. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Company. Just a heads up that we were experiencing extreme technical difficulties throughout the interview and for the separate recordings of Georgia and I before and after. So please forgive us. We will get on top of it for the next episode when Mercury's not in retrograde. Thank you very much. Welcome back to Company. Welcome back after our little hiatus. It's good to be back. Yes, yes. It's been a crazy, what, like month really, like since we got back in Jan, just been go, go, go. So we're really sorry that this is delayed, but we have graduated. (laughs) No longer at Waffa. I'm in Sydney. You're still there, but it's all happening. It's been an absolute whirlwind, but it's so exciting. Yeah, so exciting. And this is... chapter. I know. And this new chapter is going to be a lot of G&I Zooming because we won't be in the same state, which I'm in total denial about. (laughs) (laughs) It's not happening. Uh, But no, we're so excited because so many of the people that we want to talk to in the future are, you know, going to be through Zoom. So it's just a whole new world. Shall we do our riff? Let's do it. Riff of the week. Okay, so surprisingly, I've actually been able to watch some stuff, even though we were doing showcase and whatnot. It was kind of like my chill time at night. So I've got two shows, uh, Firefly Lane, which is on Netflix, and also Little Fires Everywhere, which is on Amazon, Amazon, Amazon Prime. (laughs) classic me uh (laughs) so look firefly lane like i didn't think it was like that amazing but i thought it was really interesting how you follow these like two friends over their whole lifetime of friendship and all of the different things that they face together from like being teenagers and like getting their period for the first time to you know one of the friends marrying their boss that they both like worked for and all it like throughout the tv show you see all these different things that shaped the way their life is now and then all that you know is that in present time they're not talking and you're like oh my god what is it they've faced so much together what is it that has ruined their friendship and I think even though I don't like they're not the most mind-blowing performances. Like, they're great performances. They're, you know, really well-known actresses, but it's kind of like a reflective thing for me because I'm just like there are so many things in your life that change things completely and it's it you don't side with either of them because they just go through such completely different things, come from completely different families that shape them to be the way they are. And I'm excited to see the second season because I think there was a lot of, like, foundation building in the first season. And now it's probably just all going to come to the surface when it 
releases the second. So that was great. And then Little Fires Everywhere, I'm just like partway through it. I'll get back to you next episode, but I'm freaking loving it. Reese Witherspoon's in it. Um, yeah, really loving it. Anyway, what about you, G? Okay, so my riff is I actually got to see live theatre for the first time in a long time. I'm in Sydney at the moment, so I went to see Young Frankenstein at the Hayes Theatre. It was pretty surreal to be surrounded by a fully packed out audience. Everyone was wearing masks, but it was such an amazing show. It was really wacky and weird. I knew nothing about the show at all, um, except for Rolin Zihei, which is a song that Diana sang at Waffle last year. Um, but the performances <laughs> were just so energetic and really detailed and just the bold choices were incredible. Everyone just absolutely let go and really, really sort of delved into their characters in an amazing way. And it was so enjoyable. It was just really nice to be in a theatre and see people like laughing and clapping and hollering. And it was just so great to be a part of. So that's my riff, Young Frankenstein at the Hayes. I think they're there for a bit longer, but I'm pretty sure it's sold out. So it's very, oh very my good. Gosh. <laughs> I am so, so jealous, like so jealous because I love that musical. And was it actually at the Haze? Yeah, 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 actually at the Haze. It sure was. Yeah? Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. It looks massive. Like I've seen so many people post about it. I'm like that stage looks massive. No, it's actually tiny. It's tiny. The stage is tiny. It's amazing what you can do in it. Amazing. Chika Ikogwe is an award-winning Nigerian-Australian actor and writer. She's a recent acting graduate of the National Institute of Dramatic Art. As an actor, Chika has worked extensively in the industry on shows such as Dance Nation, Fangirls, The Wolves, Normal, Sydney Theatre Buses and Ban Shakespeare. She recently made her TV debut in the role of Dr M on ABC's Mickey Burst the World. She also has an extensive list of writing credits that we will add to our description of our episode. As a writer, Chika has written for the Audrey Journal, co-wrote a play called The House at Boundary Road, Liverpool, which has made its world premiere at the Old 505 Theatre in November of 2019. And she has a number of upcoming works in development, which you can also find out about in our bio. Chika was the recipient of the 2018 BBM Youth Support Award in Drama, the recipient of the 2018 Leslie Wolford AM Award, winner of the Best Newcomer at the Sydney Theatre Awards in 2019 and recipient of the 2020 ATYP Rose Byrne Emerging Female Leader in the Arts Scholarship. She's incredibly passionate about diversity and representation and strives to bring authentic Afrocentric stories to the forefront of Australian stages and screens. Hey Chika, thank you so much for coming on the show with us. Oh, thank you for having me. Now we like to start the episodes with an arts recommendation. So that can be a book, film, TV series, a piece of theatre that you've seen that you think our listeners should look into. Oh, um, I recently finished a show on Netflix called Alice in Borderland, which is like a Japanese thriller and it is so good. Like I binged four episodes in one night after a show. It was just a random watch with some friends and we just was so obsessed with it and it like is such great storytelling so that's probably my recommendation yeah 
Fabulous. Awesome. I haven't seen that. Like, it's what a great there. name as well. Alice I know. in Borderland. It's very Yay. good. Very good. Fabulous. I'll check it out. Yes. And then our next question that we like to ask is, what, if it, what is a piece of art that has moved or inspired you or changed you as an yeah. artist? Yeah. Um, I, at the start of 2018, saw a show at the Seymour Centre where I'm performing now called um, The Barbershop Chronicles. And it was essentially like, and I'm pretty sure it actually came to Perth as well um, for the Perth Festival. This would have been a few years ago now, but um, it was just like this incredible ensemble of black men from um, the UK. And the show was like just little vignettes um, and different scenes of black men in different situations. Like it mostly is set around a barbershop. It is the Barbershop Chronicles. Um, but you also have stuff like, no, I think actually all of the scenes are set in a barbershop. Yeah. So, um, and it kind of highlights how the, the chair in a barbershop for men, that's like their kind of therapy, which I thought was really beautiful. It was really great to see. Firstly, it was really great to see a stage full of just black people and no white people. Like in Australia, I'm like, when are we ever going to get to see that? When have we seen that? I just thought that was awesome. Um, it was really awesome to be in an audience and watch a show where um, it wasn't made with white people in mind. It was really heartening to hear so many, um, yeah, so many black people in the audience just laughing at very nuanced jokes. And like, sometimes you'd get some people who aren't part of the black community being like, oh, what does that mean? What does that mean? And oftentimes that's how a lot of black people feel watching white theatre. We're like, what the hell does that mean? And to have something that's for us in this country was just so unbelievably special um yeah it was just like really inspiring and the performers were also fantastic and the the show and that the actual stories and the writing it was just everything was lit yeah oh I'm devastated I didn't say that that sounds absolutely incredible yeah, yeah. It was I think good. there was something similar to that that the National Theatre put on that it, I watched that's it the Barbershop oh, okay. Chronicles, yeah. Go off, go <laughs> yeah. off. Yeah, well, I saw like a little snippet of that on um, YouTube and literally the 10 minutes that I watched was insane. Yeah. Um, beautiful. Okay, mm-hmm. brilliant. Wow, I love yeah. that. So good. And we love to ask if you have any funny mishap stories. So any mm. stories where things have just gone wrong, especially doing live theatre, I'm sure you've had a couple of incidents along oh, the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, there were like, there's so many. I'm <laughs> trying to go through the myriad of situations. But um, there was a time actually, so in the show I'm doing at the moment, Fangirls, um, one of my characters has two clip-on pigtails. And there was a show where like I, there's a quick change that literally is like maybe eight or seven seconds it's so ridiculous and I clipped on the pigtail and I thought they were both quite secure but as we were doing all the kind of choreography I turned and the pigtail flew off and we all just were trying so hard not to laugh also because this was kind of the climax of the show where we're talking about like you know kind of mental health stuff and really serious stuff um to do with teenagers and we're like trying to control our laughter from this rat looking thing flying halfway across the stage um but that's probably one good yeah one 
good tale I can keep for the kids. Yep. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And I guess in those moments you go, have they realised, have they realised? And that's what oh, absolutely. And you're like, everyone yeah. on stage knows. They must yes. know. <laughs> they know, they know. They're quite chunky. So, like, I'm like, if you don't yeah. realise, I mean, maybe you're sitting really far away or maybe you're just being a really kind person to me that day and you're like, yeah. it's all right, mistakes happen to everyone. It's okay. But yeah, yeah no. wow. And seven seconds. We love a quick insane. change. Love, love a quick change. change. Yes, that's right. That's right. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, so you went to NIDA. Yeah. So we wanted to talk to you about drama school mm. and your experiences at drama school. I guess being there and being within that environment, what did you enjoy about it that you think you've been able to bring onto your work outside of university? And also what would you like to see change? What do you yeah. think needs to change institutionally at drama schools? Oh, everything. Everything yeah. needs to yeah. change institutionally at drama schools. And I'm sure at like your drama schools as well, drama schools all across the country, all across the world have so many issues and I'm, hopeful that you know in the next coming years after everything that's happened you know recently that there is some change and they're not just talking about it and things are actually being done but I'd say that the most positive thing that came out of drama school for me was really just meeting my cohort and meeting the people in my year um just such different and incredible people, such different experiences, different backgrounds, really diverse. And I think that's that really added to my artistry and really added to my experience because, like, it's just so incredible to be able to learn from these comrades of yours that you're spending, you know, three, four years with and um, know that with some people there's not judgment when you're trying new things and know that you've got a support system and um yeah that you you can just be free to truly experiment in drama school because that's what it's meant to be for to try and fail and get up and do it all over again so yeah I just had such an incredible year and met some of my closest friends um in that year as well and also the entire institution um you know, for at NIDA, you have the directing department, the writing department, people who do stage management, like everyone, costume people. There's There are so many different kinds of people doing different things who think differently to you. And I think it's such a, an amazing thing to be able to just interact with those people and just meet them because eventually, like you're going to cross paths again and you'll be working with them out in the industry. So why not start? forming those relationships and at least trying to learn what they do so you have an appreciation for it while you're at drama school truly it's yeah the people just make that experience what it is but yeah I'd love to see more POC lecturers and teachers at drama school I'd love to see lecturers and teachers listening to students because students are the customer like we're paying to be there and it's our education. You got to take your education into your own hands. And it really sucks when people um, purposefully don't listen to young people just because they're young and there's this weird hierarchical thing. Um, but yeah, like lots of stuff needs to change, but just more diversity, both neurodiversity as well, and like people with disabilities coming through. And um, yeah, listen. Yeah. 
Mm, absolutely. That's so true. Students are the customer. What a great yeah. saying. Because you're so right. I think a lot of young people come into institutions and they feel like they can't have a voice because they're young and they don't know any better. But yeah. you do. You. This is your experience. And yeah. you need to use your voice and, and make it great for you. So I absolutely agree. And yeah, I absolutely agree with having POC teachers or even just women teachers as well. Yes. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, Definitely way more women. Makes such a difference. Yeah, 100%. Makes such a difference to see yourself in, in somebody that is older than you and doing the damn thing. So Yeah, doing yeah. the thing that you want to do because, mm. like, I'm very much of the opinion that if you can see the thing that you want to do, you can see someone who looks like you doing that thing, then the belief in yourself is just amplified like by 10 million. But if you never, ever see yourself anywhere, of course you start to self-doubt and you start to, you know, be overcritical of yourself and be like, oh, can I really actually do this? Like no one's doing it. So yeah, Mm. 100% agree with you. More women, just more visibility for everyone. Get rid of all of the old white men please (laughs) yeah and I think another thing that I find really interesting someone mentioned the other week we were talking about the changeover of staff within WAPA and apparently back in the day it was a thing that they would never keep staff on for more than five years there would always Mm. be a changeover of people because art is forever growing and changing and the idea that the same person is teaching art for an extended period of time, like how can you move forward with the changes that are happening, you know, around you culturally and yeah. in community and even just like where we are with like technology and all that kind of stuff. And like, you know, I I, I think we've had a pretty good experience, you know, here in Whopper and whatnot, but um, to think that our heads of course have been here for like how many years? Is it over like 20 years? 20 years. Yeah. And we're facing all these issues and I'm like, well, no wonder why, you know, when Mm. you've kind of been stuck in one certain way for so long. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to, you know, affect the way that we move forward. So I think it's really interesting uh, being especially in Perth. I don't know if you found that the changeover of staff was better over East, Mm. like in Sydney, you had people coming in and out in between work and whatnot. Was it pretty good in terms of? stuff um while we were at uni like not necessarily because I think also it's great to have people at drama school that can see you through from the start of your course to maybe the end of second year maybe the end of third year potentially and I think we had so much change and we had so much inconsistency that there wasn't that kind of person that could hold you accountable self-accountability obviously is also very important but you're going to drama school to learn and from the best of the best and it helps when you have you know those professional people that have been working observing you from the start to the end to be like I don't know call you out on things along the way it's like hey you've been doing this thing since first year and we've talked about this like let's you know change let's let's try and work work on that but when you have different people coming in all the time, it's great to be exposed to that. But also it's like, where are those people that are your support system in the staff from the beginning to, you know, near the end? So I guess there are pros and cons to 
to both of it when you have people teaching there for 20 years 20 years is a really long time though but you when you have people there with you from the beginning to the end of your um training they really know you and they can um be there for you and they can hold you accountable in a different kind of way but then on the other end of that when you get new people they bring in new techniques and you might just need that one teacher that comes in for a one hour session that teaches you this technique that just makes you go oh my gosh that one is for me I've just unlocked a part of myself and a part of you know my acting that like I'm like this is my this is my thing and it's changed my life so yeah like I I think pros and cons to both but I definitely think that teaching or even working at the same place for 20 years is yeah like some change has got to happen yeah Mm, absolutely I feel like you get your best experience when you are really um I don't know autonomous and you just kind of do things exactly like you're saying without waiting to be told because if you do that once you graduate like you that's essentially the same as waiting for your agent to call you and and tell you what to do you do have to kind of put yourself out there and you have to be your biggest fan and your your biggest agent and like not wait around for things to happen or um people to tell you what to do all the time yeah so tell us about fangirls and how that's been going for you yeah it's been going good it's been going good it's so awesome to be part of such an accessible piece of theater I think um it's just so beautiful that or like anyone could come off the street whether they've seen theater 10 times or they've never seen a show in their life can come and watch the show and understand it and enjoy it and like be moved by it that essentially I think is what theater all theater should be and I find a lot of theater to be quite elitist and oftentimes like theater is made for other artists instead of theater being made like for the people which if that's people's jam like that's completely fine but I don't think that should be the majority of theater because that's what contributes to making it so elitist and so like just for a specific group of people so yeah being part of the show is like it's so amazing to just see young people older people black people asian people like just the range the full range of people that exist in this country showing up in the audience How has it been being part of a brand new work and how much artistic freedom have you had within the production? Yeah, in the rehearsal room, um, so I was part of the original development as well. So the original development at Belva, I should say, um, because Eve has developed it and done some stuff, had done some stuff before that. Um, Yeah, so when we were in the rehearsal room with... um, with Paige Rattray, the director, and Eve Blake, who uh, is the writer in the development, they were quite open with us coming to them if anything felt a bit weird or um, if we had any suggestions. And then it became a bit more solid once we started rehearsals. But even then we were still able to go to them and, you know, if we had any suggestions, say stuff because things were still changing as it is a new Australian work. And not just that, it's a musical as well. So, um, yeah, luckily we were able to collaborate a little bit, which was good. Beautiful. 
so the next question we had for you is that you have a scholarship that we saw for Just Cheaty Things where you're creating a web series. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so um, Just Cheaty Things is a web series that I'm writing at the moment that's like a very semi-semi-autobiographical um, story. Um, and yeah, like I guess the kind of instigator of that is just not seeing any like dark skinned people on TV at all. And when, you know, I do see them on Australian TV anyways, um, they are always playing refugees or they've always got this thick general African accent, which just is wrong and doesn't actually exist. Um, and there are so many black people here and I'm like, why can't we, why aren't we allowed to just be ourselves? So, um, yeah, wanting to create that for both myself and for representation and visibility, because I just wish I saw something like that when I was growing up, but it was always a lot of white people or like tan people or mixed race people, really, really light skinned people. And, um, there were just there was just no one with braids, no one with four C hair, no one with dark skin. So I think it's way overdue. Like it's twenty twenty one, and they're still even in this creation over that the whole time I've been creating it. Even so, there's been nothing really that's come out that is representing that demographic of people. So yeah, so um, the scholarship slash grant is just um, some money to help with the creation of that because screen costs a lot (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely incredible I don't know if you've seen um bump on stand yeah you have yeah so I'm I'm like Latina I'm from Ghana Trinidad Tobago like I'm just from everywhere but you know specifically my dad grew up in Colombia and watching that show was (laughs) the first time I had seen authentic representation of yeah. what it means to be South American because yeah. usually it's just, hey, 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 and hello. Totally. And these weird sort of voices that you're putting on trying to be like a sexy Latina or get your hoops out and your little yeah. skimpy, whatever the stereotype is. Mm. I've only ever seen that stereotype of what it means to be a Latina woman on screen and to see Bump was absolutely incredible because absolutely for the first time I was seeing authentic representation and I was not surprised at all because I think a lot of people behind the scenes like the producers and the editors were actually from Chile so they told the story of this family so authentically yeah so and it was just so but I cried like because it was just so refreshing so I think you writing this show is going to do the same thing for you know women that look like you because yeah. they can see themselves represented so authentically so totally such a gift mm. yeah that is so exciting wow and how did that work to um apply for the grant had you kind of written like a pilot episode or was it just like an overall kind of pitch or had you been writing stuff over time and it was just kind of like I think I need to bring this somewhere yeah. Um, yeah. It's something I've been thinking about since like 2018, probably in my last year of drama school, just being like, look, at some point I want to work in screen, but this country has a long way to go in terms of its representation and the way they kind of cast 
people according to shade and being like darker skinned I'm like I'm not waiting for them to give me an opportunity I have to make it myself so um yeah like that the idea kind of started around then and little grants and little competitions and stuff I'd see them float around sometimes it was on Facebook the spark fund was one I actually found on Instagram and it was due in like 24 hours and I had a whole bunch of other stuff that I had to do so I literally got the video and the application in like a minute before it was due um and yeah like really in answering all that kind of stuff like when you find it you have to you have to know why you're burning and dying to tell this story. And that's often like, cause people will ask when I do receive grants, they're like, how, how did you get this? How did you get that? And it really just, it, there is no secret except just absolutely know why you're passionate about the story and why it's important to share it. And that's, I think the basis of any good application. Um, so yeah, that yeah, Spark Fund was through Instagram. Yeah. So Instagram does do some good things. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> it doesn't just ruin your self-esteem. It's yeah, no, sometimes no. got some some good little things. But yeah. Beautiful. And I mm. guess going going off of that, how have you found yourself or have you found yourself stereotyped coming out of NIDA? being a woman of colour, I think already the sort of strong female stereotype is being placed on me either subconsciously or maybe consciously yeah. just because of the way I look. I'd love to know what that experience has been like for you. Yeah. I think actually for the most part since finishing um, drama school, I've been pretty blessed to not be stereotyped too much. Um, most of the projects that I've done have been just, I'm just playing a character, like with the exception every now and then, but for the most part, like there's never been like a, I'm always snapping my fingers or um, playing super sassy. I almost think I was more stereotyped at times in drama school than out in the industry. So um. Yeah, it's been good. And I'm also very, um, I'm very picky about the work that I do. And in the first year of drama school, even though you like should be in the first year out of drama school, I'm sorry, you should be really, um, I think that you should try and do as much as you can, just so you know what's out there and what you'd like and what you don't like. But even then, if there is something that's like, you should play this character, um, uh, that is part of a group that you don't represent or um, this character maybe wears a hijab and I'm not, you know, of that religion. So I think there's still, but it depends on people's kind of ethics and morals and stuff. But for me, I was still very deliberate about what kind of work I was taking and what kind of characters I was playing. Um, but yeah, for the most part, like very blessed to be surrounded by open-minded creatives who can think outside of the box of like this is what my version of a black woman is and also in Australia a lot of the people in power are white and their version of black people oftentimes aren't what black people are so um yeah like yeah it's it's been good yeah that's amazing to hear and I think 
I mean, we are predominantly in the musical theatre world and I think there is a big difference in the musical theatre world as opposed to screen and straight acting. I think within that world, it's a it's a bit more progressive, whereas within musical yeah. theatre, we've got the tropes of you Definitely. need to be this if you look this way, you need to be mm-hmm. this if you, if you look yeah. this way. Much Which room. I think is, yeah, such a shame because I think musical theatre in a way is still prescribing to a like particular kind of mold which is great when you know new musicals come because when you're part of that development you can help to create that mold and also leave a little bit of room so that the person who comes and and plays that role has room to make it their own whereas I think some of the old musical theater stuff like I'm not a huge MT person, so I could be completely incorrect. But from my experience and from what I know of musical theatre, it seems like there's just like this one thing. And if you don't fit in that thing, then people are like, then you can't do musicals and you can't be in this industry. And I'm like, that's so dumb because the whole point of acting and the whole point of being a performer is transformation and is like, you know, being able to just like, I mean, there are definitely exceptions, you know, but, um, yeah, to play different kinds of people, um, yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah, which is why I hope a, a show like Fangirls makes all the white male producers wake up because I think you have, mm. you're sold out now. Like you've had a, yeah. a sold out season. It's been incredibly successful mm-hmm. and it looks like an amazingly diverse cast and it obviously people are loving it because yeah. we love seeing a beautiful, diverse stage where everyone can tell their own story in their own way. And yeah. it's exciting. Yeah. So that that's really exciting that you're a part of that and that Australia is, you know, putting that kind of work out there and people are wanting to see it and are yeah. really interested in it. Definitely, mm, so yeah. 100%. And even just like a, a new age of voices because I I feel like for a big chunk of musical theatre you have to sound a certain way and like yeah not everyone has that voice so what you can't do it like exactly. it's time it's time for us to embrace our natural voices and enhance them rather than trying to change it to fit this old ideal of what a musical theatre sound is because it's yeah. just not anymore it's no not. absolutely I agree and for a long time I thought as well I was like from what I've seen so far, all the women sing that like everyone is a soprano and everyone sings so high and like has this. And I'm like, that is so not me. And I'm like, I will like stab myself in the toe before you try and make me do that. Um, yeah, So it's, it was really great being part of the fangirls development because they shifted stuff according to who was playing the role. Like if I was like, that is way too high for me. Like I can't do that eight times a week for however many weeks or months we're doing this show. The um, musical director at the time and the person who arranged all like the vocals and stuff, Alice Chance was like, okay, what's comfortable for you? And she worked in collaboration with us to find that sweet spot and make us feel comfortable. And I just wish that there was more of that because I think that there would just be so much more range and, the types of people we see in that industry if that were to be the case but unfortunately I think that like it's still very much if you can't sing this note then you're a bum head and it's yeah. dumb yeah yeah yeah, oh, yeah. 
That's yeah. That's literally yeah. how like I've felt the past three years. I've been banging my head yeah. against a brick wall trying to change the voice that I have. And mm-hmm. then this year, partly because of COVID, I've been like, nah. <laughs> I think I'll just stick yeah. to like what I know is my voice and just roll with that. Because Definitely. It's not a bad voice. It's just according to these systems, it's not correct. Exactly. So, you know, yeah. it's hard. And, and I think yeah. yeah. It's what makes you unique as well, which is such a shame that they, I think sometimes drama school fails in the sense that they try to bash that uniqueness out Mm. of people because that is what people crave in the industry is like difference. And if everyone is the same, why would you not just have, why would each country not just have five go-to actors? Well, I mean, Australia kind of does, but anyways, (laughs) but like five standard actors and like no one else is allowed to act like what is the point like what's the point of doing that I think that yeah like drama school definitely should embrace what people have to offer and what they bring to the table because it's so amazing and I guess for like people listening if you are in drama school just like remain your authentic self from year one to the end of year three or however many years you're studying because that's probably the reason that you got in and you don't want to get in and then change and subscribe to what you think they want you to be. Obviously be open to change and be open to growing and developing. And like there are certain aspects of yourself that you might want to change, but in terms of who you are as a person and that thing that makes you, you like that for me is just like non-negotiable. Yeah. Totally. And it's that whole thing of, you know, there is a technique. There is Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But your soul is what creates your art, not yeah. your technique. You know, that mm-hmm. only gets you so far. And I wish there was more emphasis on taking care of the artist, like yeah. as a person, not just like my muscles that will do totally. this and this and this, you know, like yeah. some of the best like pop singers. You, their technique is like not there like if I've now yeah. that I've been here I listen to people and I'm like they have great technique but god do they give their everything when they sing and like their storytelling through their music yeah. is incredible and, and that's I think, what it is yeah storytelling yeah, yeah 100% Sorry. Yeah. yeah I think what you're saying as well about being your authentic self and listening to yourself and what feels right is is so true I think Going back to stereotypes, before I went to drama school, I was auditioning for the every stereotypical role you can think of is other ones that I was going up to audition for because I think I just I was like, well, it's an opportunity and I don't really know better, yeah. but I I never really felt comfortable doing it. Yeah. And I think coming out, it, it is okay to say no. It's okay to say Absolutely. You know, because coming out as a fresh grad, you think that you have to like go for everything and try everything. But if yeah. something doesn't feel right, if it feels off, don't do it. Don't yeah. do it. And listen mm-hmm. to that voice inside. And that sounds like what you have done. Um, your whole, you know, at NIDO and outside of NIDO. And that's incredible that you stay true to yourself and listen to yourself, listen to your gut and only do things that will serve you. you yeah. Know? Yeah, you should never do anything that if you think like, will I be, will I be ashamed of this or will, will I, yeah, you have to ask yourself, will I be proud of myself if I, if I do this? Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, money is money. It comes and goes and opportunities come and go, but you're stuck with yourself and you're stuck with your heart. 
And if you're not happy with your choices, like that stays with you. You might be rich, but you will be mentally unhappy, like because Mm -hmm. of this opportunity that you thought will never come again. Stuff will come. Don't worry about it, but just like never compromise your morals and like Mm -hmm. yourself. You have to make yourself proud. Totally, totally. And on that, what do you think brings you the most joy as an artist? Oh, so many things. Like I think stage mishaps, as we spoke about at the start, Mm -hmm. bring me joy. I love a good laugh, love a good corpse, lol. Um, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I love watching, you know, I actually love watching actors' corpse because I'm like, you're having fun. Like, I mean, to an extent, don't corpse a whole show because like tickets are like 90 bucks. But, you know, (laughs) 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 but to an extent, like I love just that moment where you see an ensemble of actors like on the brink and I'm just like you're so in the moment and you're listening to each other and you like it's amazing that this writer who might not be in the room has written something so excellent and you've made this perfect choice that has made everyone just like just a little bit cheeky anyways love that but I think um something that I really love is just like I love bringing joy to people and the fact that performance whether that be live or tv or film or musical theater like whatever it is performance truly has the ability to change someone's life like I wholeheartedly believe that and I think it's such an amazing thing that someone can sit down on the couch after a really terrible day and just be like oh my gosh I hate life so much and watch something that I'm in or come and watch me on stage. And after they've watched that thing, they are happier and they feel more motivated. They feel more energized. They have laughed. They have just like let out a little bit of steam and to be able to change someone's life like that, I think is so underrated. Like performers don't get enough credit for doing that particular job. Cause that is like, it's so magical and so powerful. Um, yeah, that that probably brings me the most joy. So like being in a in a show like Fangirls and hearing people laugh and different kinds of people and seeing young people just like be so in it and older people like grandmas and seeing black people, like it just makes my heart so happy because I'm like, yes, this is why I do this because it's not for me. We don't perform for ourselves, most of us anyways, but um, <laughs> shade, absolute shade, I won't lie. Um, but yeah, like it's just, I think it's so special and it's so powerful, yeah. Yeah, it's so cool opening up the world of possibility. Mm, like, you definitely. That what your life is going to be a certain way for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Another question we have is what does success mean to you? Oh my gosh, like so many different things. Um, Success, like it's not necessarily always financial, though as an artist, you're like, please let me make rent. (laughs) Like, but it's also, yeah, yeah, please, I'm begging, I'm begging. (laughs) Yeah, but sometimes it's also like success for me is when I see one black person in the audience, if they're a young black person, And like, if I meet them after the show and they're like, oh my gosh, it was like, that for me is so, is so special because I think I kind of like, 
I, before I'm um, doing acting, I wanted to do, well, I didn't want to do, but I was um, not forced even like, but I don't know, guided into doing medicine by a whole community of people around me. And that was mostly because I wanted to help people and make them happy. And that to me is what success is, which I think theater and film and TV and just the entertainment industry also does, but in a different way where I don't have to like come face to face with blood or vomit or anything like that, which is lit for me. But um, yeah, I think success is just like the ability to inspire and change people's lives, the ability to make people happy and leave them different to the way that you found them in a positive way. Um, And just, yeah, there's so many, so many different things, but ultimately I think like just having the power to give people joy and making them happy and sharing that is it's successful. And as long as I am able to continuously, you know, do that, I feel like, I've made it successful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's so cool. And on that, what is your biggest hope for the Australian arts industry going into the future? Oh, my biggest hope is for Australia to be less racist. Lol. (laughs) (laughs) Lol, amen. Yeah, just (laughs) stop being racist and stop being so closed-minded and just like because Australia is loves America they love what America does they love what the UK as well like what they're doing there what they're doing internationally I'm like you have that here then do it stop talking Mm -hmm. about it and just do it Mm -hmm. um yeah because we need to be seeing the same Australia we see on the bus and on the train on TV because right now we see like the eastern suburbs of Sydney and like one refugee or like <laughs> and I'm like a refugee though literally refugee. and also I'm like what is this refugee doing in Bondi <laughs> why <laughs> um yeah just yeah. need to be way more open-minded and like not even just on screen as well behind the scenes with directors and behind the scenes with writers producers like it takes a village to make mm-hmm. good stuff happen so yeah I think Australia just needs to invest in that if they want to make it happen just like again stop talking about it and just do it just do just do yeah Yeah. absolutely yeah thank you so much for talking to us it's been an absolute joy thank you with all the technical difficulties (laughs) yes yes yes. all good all good all good thank you so much yeah thank you it was such a joy to talk to Chika today. I just love that the reason that she wants to perform is that she wanted to do something that would bring joy to other people and you can just tell from her personality that she absolutely lights up any room that she's in. So we really love this chat with her this time. Yes, we loved it. And just FYI, we had a lot of technical difficulties throughout the interview, which hopefully <laughs> you don't realise because we would have fixed it. But yeah. we 
it was struggle town and we ended up just being in fits of laughter at the end being like this cannot be real because it's been so good every other time and yeah anyway it was such a joy regardless of all the technical difficulties difficulties can I speak and (laughs) and if you can get to fangirls it's in Adelaide at the moment at the festival and I think it's going to be going to Melbourne so keep your eyes peeled and enjoy Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Company. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know on our Instagram at CompanyPod or our Facebook page. Also make sure to leave a review on our iTunes or Spotify. Big shout out to our producing team, me, David Ducatis, and our wonderful hosts, Georgia Kennedy and Tiana Catalano. Until next time, see ya.